1: Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 154, and we are recording on Tuesday, May 30th. I'm Katie McLean Horner, along with Kendra Winchester, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Kendra. How are you doing today?
2: I'm doing all right. How are you? How's life post-vacation?
1: Ugh, it is not nearly as nice as life during vacation. (laughs) I always make the mistake... Like, unless I fly back on a weekend, I'll usually be like, okay, we're going to fly back on Saturday, I have Sunday, and then I go back to work on Monday. Well, we flew back on a Tuesday, and I went back to work on Wednesday. And I usually work evening shifts on Wednesdays, like 1 to 9, so I'm like, okay, this will be fine. And I got into work, and I was so tired. (laughs) Oh, my God. Gosh, and I could not, like, I was trying to keep up in meetings and figure out what's going on, and I just had to apologize so many times because I'm like, I am so sorry. I can't follow anything. And we were only an hour's difference, like, in terms of time zone difference. And I'm like, I'm losing my mind. Like, it just feels like my brain is going to leak out through my ears. So thankfully, we have improved since then, but. Yeah, we were in Colorado and Colorado is so gorgeous with mountains and forests and waterfalls and clean air and it's just so pretty and then I came back to Illinois and it's all flat. <laughs> <laughs> the weather has been nice in Illinois since we came back like it's been warm, it's been mostly sunny. So I'm I'm grateful for that, but yeah, you, coming back to just absolute flatness as far as you can see makes me makes me very grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> so hanging in there
2: yeah colorado is so beautiful so yeah it's a, it's an adjustment
1: yeah it is and it's yeah it's hands down it's my favorite place in the world i love colorado so much and we are going to be going back to colorado later this year for blaine's and my five-year anniversary we're going to be visiting a different area of colorado so that that got me through because i'm like all right we're going to be back in the fall it's going to be okay <laughs>
2: So is that when you're going to the Creepy Hotel?
1: Yes, it is.
2: Okay, because Liberty and I were speculating. I was like, I can't remember if this is that Colorado vacation or it's a different one. Yes, it is. Okay.
1: Yeah, I know that – I know you and I have talked about it like – Off recording, and I can't remember if I mentioned it on the podcast. But if no one, (laughs) if I haven't mentioned it, Blaine and I are spending two nights at the Stanley Hotel in Estes Park, where Stephen King got the idea for The Shining, because that hotel is very, very haunted. And we had been there before, but hadn't stayed in the main hotel. It was like on a proper another building on Mm. the same property. But we are now spending two nights. In the most haunted room in the hotel. I asked for it specifically. <laughs> Paid more money than I care to admit for those two <laughs> nights. And my husband is just like, all right.
2: This is this is true love. Yeah, no. he's
1: he loves the history. He loves Stephen King. He loves the shining. He's like, look. He's like, look, I will like if a ghost appears in front of me, I will be, you know, that that's fine. But he's just like All right, (laughs) we're going to do that. So, yes, Um, yeah, we're we're willingly (laughs) staying in the most haunted room (laughs) in the Stanley room 401 in case anyone's interested. So that will be fun.
2: (laughs) That is amazing. Uh, That that reminds me how um for free. I've freelanced for a long time and one of my first freelance gigs in the book world. um, I was fired from uh, or not rehired, I should say, because. I was writing on haunted houses around the world, mm-hmm. and the editor found that one of the haunted houses wasn't actually haunted, and they were apparently horrified that <laughs> I've written about a haunted house that someone had said wasn't actually haunted, and I'm sitting here like, what?
1: Okay. <laughs> it okay. was
2: amazing. I mean, like, I way too much work, and... <laughs> far too little money so not really sad about it in the long run but at the time it was like really like that's that's your prof
1: that wow that that is you know and as someone who is like full on a believer in this type of stuff <laughs> clearly even I'm going like okay now <laughs> like there's really no definitive rubric <laughs> for, like, determining how haunted a place is. It's like, okay, the closet door opened three times, so we're giving this one four stars.
2: (laughs) You know, and, like, it had, like, a really extensive history of being part of, like, haunted tourism, and that was kind of, like, a lot I wanted to talk about was, like, tourism in haunted places Mm -hmm. and, like, whatever. But apparently, like, oh, no, it had proven not not to be haunted, and apparently I hadn't fact-checked enough. And I'm like, oh, boy. I was writing about haunted houses. Anyway, so that but that was this very on-brand, rambly preamble here for for us. But it's very you know again very on-brand.
1: Yeah, and also I think I think we we unintentionally both veered a little horrorish in the in this episode. But you know we
2: did. Getting we ahead did. of myself.
1: I'm getting ahead <laughs> of myself. <laughs> ha Have you been reading anything since I have last been here?
2: Not for this particular podcast, except I am currently reading one of the books I'll talk about today, but we'll get there. But uh, everything else is for something else. So, you know, here we are. But what have you been currently reading?
1: Shockingly, something in addition to what the topic for this this episode is. I actually, after I came back from vacation, I think, yeah, this was after I came back, I was actually talking to a patron at the library who I had talked to before and told her about the podcast because she was telling me how much she loves the podcast. So that was that was cool, first off. But she gave me a reading recommendation that I was not aware of. And so I've started listening to it on audio, and it's called Mary Rose by Jeffrey Girard. Now, this is actually a like a refashioning of the original story, Mary Rose, which was written by J.M. Barry, who also wrote Peter Pan. This is very different. And Mary Rose, the J.M. Barry version, is Hitchcock. I believe tried to turn it into a movie twice. I I believe it was twice, and both times he ended up. Cancelling the production because he said, there's no way I can do this story justice. Like, I am not going to make a movie that's as scary as the original book. And so when she when this patron told me about that, I was like, well, this sounds interesting. And she had specifically read the refashioning of this story by Jeffrey Gerard, which was written in like 2017, 2018. Um, so I started listening to the audiobook, and I'm not terribly far into it. But I'm a good chunk of the ways, and it, the basic story is you have Mary Rose and Simon who are dating. They are about to get engaged. Mary Rose is from England, and the two of them are uh, they are traveling to England um, for to spend some time with her parents. And Simon's going to officially ask for their blessing to um, to get engaged to Mary Rose. And while they're over there, his parents are like, look, we know that that's probably where you're you're thinking. But before we talk about any of that, you need to know what happened to Mary Rose when she was a kid. Um, When she was a little girl, um, the family was vacationing on this remote Scottish island and she disappeared. And then just a little over a month later, reappeared... No idea, no, she didn't have a scratch on her, no memory of what had happened. And, but she just reappeared and they were like, oh, okay. And so they kind of just kind of carried on with their life. Now, Simon becomes like, once he hears this, he becomes obsessed with finding out what happened. And so he tries to, uh, he's like, oh, will honeymoon where you know, where where she disappeared and see if we can figure out what happened. I'm like, dude, this is such a bad idea. And then Mary Rose, after they get engaged, she starts behaving stranger and stranger and stranger. And uh, so now he's trying to figure out, okay, what happened? Because something is really off. So I have not yet gotten... To the part of the book where I find out what happened. But allegedly, this, this story is that it is very, very unsettling. And I'm here for it. And I'm really excited. So yeah, that's Mary Rose by Jeffrey Gerard. But the original story is by J.M. Barry. So that was one I had never heard of. And so when this patron gave me this suggestion, I'm like, let me bump that up to the top of my reading list, because that is ringing <laughs> all of my bells right now.
2: It definitely sounds like it.
1: Yeah, very much a Katie story. So um, hopefully hopefully it uh, ends as promisingly as it started.
2: I'm crossing my fingers for you. I <laughs> appreciate that.
1: Okay, so before we jump into the rest of the episode, let's go ahead and take a pause for our first sponsor.
3: Today's episode is brought to you by Sourcebooks Landmark. From the best-selling author of The Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle comes a new mystery. A fog has swept the planet, killing anyone it touched except for the island where villagers and scientists live in harmony. The villagers content to do what they're told by the scientists. But then one of the beloved scientists is found brutally stabbed to death, and they realize the security system around the island has malfunctioned and has wiped everyone's memories of exactly what happened the night before. So someone on the island is a murderer and they don't even know it. Best-selling author Stuart Turton is a major voice in the mystery space. The Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle and his second novel, The Devil in the Dark Water, have sold over 450,000 copies and become a TikTok phenomenon. He's received fantastic reviews from best-selling authors and major outlets. Make sure to check out his latest work, The Last Murder at the End of the World. And thanks again to Sourcebooks Landmark for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Sourcebooks Landmark. So King Solomon says something very interesting to his son before he dies, and that is, quote, Don't let the white man take the house, end quote. All right. And then, Kendra, you
1: actually have just, just a quick little t- little tidbit before we jump in for the rest of the episode as well.
2: Yes. So we wanted to let you all know about a Book Riot's new sub stack called The Deep Dive. So if you're looking for fascinating stories, informed takes, useful advice, and more drawn from the folks at Book Riot, You can check out The Deep Dive. It is a biweekly newsletter to inform and inspire readers. And it's delivered right to your inbox. Your first read, The Power Reader's Guide to Reading um, Logs and Trackers, is on the house. So you can check out all of the details and choose a membership level, if you so desire, at bookriot.substack.com. And of course, as always, that will be linked in the show notes.
1: Yeah, no, this sounds super interesting. And I mean, the topics, they'll cover just about anything. And one of the topics that has been covered, which just blows my mind that this would even be a topic, and I'm now super fascinated, is going down the rabbit hole with the state of scratch and sniff publishing. (laughs) Like, that belongs on the there's there's a subreddit that's like, first time sentences or unique sentences where it's like, this sentence has never been uttered in the English language before. (laughs) Um, I think this qualifies. And like, I didn't, I never thought about scratch and sniff publishing being a thing until I read that sentence. And now I want to know everything about scratch and sniff publishing.
2: Well, good thing you now have the deep dive. Yes. And you can find out all about it.
1: (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah, my mind is just going in so many different directions. And now I want like, the investigative journalism version. (laughs) Of. <laughs> anyway, I'm getting way ahead of myself here, and I'm afraid this is going to be a theme for this episode. Katie gets way ahead of herself. <laughs> oh, all right. Well,. Before I get even farther ahead of myself, as we mentioned at the top of the show, we talk about mysteries and suspense and true crime and just about anything that falls under that umbrella. So if you're new to this mysterious community, welcome. We are so happy to have you. And if you are a longtime listener, welcome back. As always, we are delighted that you continue to put us in your ears every two weeks. It makes us very happy. If you have listened to the show before, you know that this is the point of the episode where we always put out a call to our listeners to let us know if you have any suggestions for upcoming episodes. They really do help us plan out what we're going to talk about every two weeks. It's a great way for us to expand our reading horizons. It's a great way to know what you, the listeners, would like to hear more of. So if you have any suggestions, let us know. It can be talking about recent award winners. It can be subgenres or themes that you want that you think would be interesting to explore more deeply. It can be author read-alikes, it can be movie adaptations, it can be something happening in the news that's related to something in the world of mystery and suspense publishing. You know, there's so many different options, and we can't possibly think of them all. So that's why we like to to hear from our listeners. So if you have any ideas or suggestions, you can shoot us an email or reach out to us via social media. We always have our contact information at the end of the show and in the show notes, so you don't have to get it down first thing. We just put out the call ahead of time to get all those creative juices flowing. And even if you don't have an idea and you just want to say hi, we also love... Hearing from our listeners, just you know, for no reason other than just because it makes us very happy. Um, so, please feel free to do that if you feel so inclined. And if you enjoy this podcast, definitely hop on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review so that other people can find us easier. And with that, the don't have much in the way of news, but Megan Abbott's newest book, which comes out today called Beware the Woman, and she has already announced that it is going to be adapted into a film, and when the writer's strike ends, she is actually going to be writing the script. So there's very little information. She just posted about it on Twitter recently, but I wanted to include it, A, because Megan Abbott is a Book Riot favorite, and... B, because I am going to be talking more about Beware the Woman in the New Releases segment. So I'm like, it's a little kind of a reverse tie-in. Usually we talk about the book and then we're like, oh, hey, it's going to be adapted. And now it's like, hey, this book's going to be adapted. And I'm going to tell you about it in a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, I am really excited. And I, I have not read as many of Megan Abbott's books as I would like to, but I have very much enjoyed the books of hers that I have read. Kendra now you said that you have not had a chance to read Megan Abbott yet.
2: I have not. I've never read Megan Abbott. I've been around for a lot of her book releases at this point, but I I've never just had a chance to pick it up. So I feel like if listeners have a have a book that they're invested in me starting out with, please email us. I would love to know. Yeah, she has
1: she's got a long a long backlist to choose she from. Does. So you've got a lot of options, which is good.
2: I always love options. Yes.
1: And if you've never read Megan Abbott before, she writes lots of her books are very centered on female characters and deal a lot with women's complexities, uh, women's rage, like the dynamics of groups like one of her books talks about a cheerleading squad another one talks about um, a ballet a gymnastics team like so she really looks at like those interdynamics of female relationships and complexities and stuff and oh she's so good so so good and yeah i was gonna say with with that um i'll if we can jump into this this episode's uh topic which is pride month reads where I was going to say, starting. I, usually, we get a little bit more into into June before we do the Pride Month, but we're we're doing it just just a wee bit early this year, getting it we right are. at the beginning of June. And I'm just going to kind of stop talking for a little bit <laughs> because I feel like I've been blabbering for a while. What What have you to say, Kendra?
2: Yes, yeah, so I have chosen a few different things, and I went with horror as well, which is more unusual for me. But I had some on my TBR, and I was like, you know what. Today is the day. So I listened to Nothing But Blackened Teeth by Cassandra Kahl. And this was, this came out and it was very buzzy. It's a novella and it's about these young adults. They are in their, I think, early 20s, but they've known each other since high school. Might be late teens, but that era of young adulthood. And so a couple is getting married and they have decided to get married um, in this creepy house in japan and there's a lot of drama going on between the five people featured right and so we uh we are like immediately we know oh wait they didn't even get a permit for this and they're in this haunted mansion what why 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 would (laughs) you (laughs) why would you make that choice oh just kicking
1: things off on just just a great
2: start yes and so It's very short, so I'm going to avoid spoilers as much as possible. But basically, very early on, they find out that in this house, it was chosen because it was creepy. But also, there's this folk story that almost a thousand years ago, a woman was buried alive in the foundations of the house. And then after that, for every year after that, a bride was then sacrificed every year. For the house. So, yes. My thoughts exactly. (laughs) Just stunned silence. It is so creepy. It is the perfect one. Like I listened to it in one sitting. I was just doing laundry, cleaning my house, bathing the corgis, you know, ignoring Dylan's protestations about me combing out his butt floof. Like it was (laughs) it was very creepy experience. And I'm just like staring off into space with this corgi protesting grooming. Like would recommend. I love a good creepy house story. It's just perfection.
1: I am just, I have not yet read this book. It's been on my list for a while. Also, if if all of you listeners, if you have not seen the cover of this book, it is so
0: creepy. It, it is, is. So
1: creepy. And I have had it on my list for a while. And I'm just thinking right now how grateful my husband will be when he learns about this book and then learns that I read it after we got married. (laughs) Yeah, because I mean, you're talking, I'm like, this is such a terrible idea. And I'm like, this is all also very possibly up my alley. So in terms of bad decisions I might make in my life. So I would like to think I would get the proper permits, but (laughs)
2: <laughs> you know, I uh, I don't know. There's just something about this book that really captured my imagination. And like, I don't go into it expecting people in the horror, mo- horror movie, horror book will end up fine. You know, that's not an expectation I have. I don't know why it has such a low rating on Goodreads. I have gone through far too many. I normally don't read Goodreads reviews for, on principle, but like, I saw the rating on Goodreads and I was like, what on earth? And people seem to just like, not like the characters, or they don't like the twist or whatever. I'm like, "What do you mean you're upset that there there may or may not be a haunted house with a creepy bride who was buried in the foundation of the house? Like why are you surprised about
1: that? Oh yeah, I don't know. The, the more I, the more i I read reader reviews, they can sometimes be really helpful and they can just sometimes be maddening,
2: yeah. I don't know, but I I feel like if you are looking for a creepy ghost story, no matter what time of the year, then definitely read Nothing But Blackened Teeth by Cassandra Call. Oh, it is LGBTQ Pride Month, and I I should have specified the protagonist is, I believe, bisexual, and then the author, I believe, is genderqueer in some way, so there's your Pride Month. Pride, you know, queer folks, we can do it all. We can do horror, love stories, whatever. Just so happens here we do the dark and twisty things. So
1: Yep. And what I've been noticing over the years, especially as we do a Pride episode each year, is that the books that are available are just becoming so wonderfully varied just across subgenres, tones, mood, setting. Like there there is something for every reader. And I also and specifically for this book, I love the fact that that you mentioned that it's a good listen on audio that you use to help clean the house because, holy cow, I have not been able to get my butt off the couch <laughs> and do basic housework. And I'm like, okay, maybe this book will help me. <laughs> or not. Maybe I'll just sit on the couch and listen to the audiobook. I don't know. but You have options. Well, I have options, but it, it gives me a little hope that that might be helpful. So my first pick is also goes kind of down the horror... Uh, End of the Spectrum, but it's like a horror suspense literary fiction mashup. So it's, I think this is very accessible to readers who may not otherwise be interested in horror or those types of stories. There's so much stuff going on in this book. But anyway, the book that I picked is called Reprieve by James Hahn Mattson. And that came out, I want to say, not last year, the year before. So it's still fairly new. And it centers around a group of people who in the mid 90s participated in an extreme haunted house challenge. Like, I'm sure most of us have heard stories about these haunted house attractions where the creators put the contestants through like stuff that is like not verging on torture but is like outright torture. You know, like where you have to sign a waiver before you go in or there's like a safe word or you, there's like if you make it all the way through you get your money back or you earn a ton of money. So that's the kind of setting for this for this story. So you've got four people that are uh, working together as a team to try and get through this really intense haunted house, with the idea being that if they make it all the way through, they will each win $15,000. However, before they can make it through, one of the contestants is murdered. So the you know that from the very beginning. From the very beginning. So the story is spent piecing together what happened, how did all of these characters come to be in this position, and you know, basically just kind of outlining all of the events that led up that led up to that moment, and then interspersed throughout them, you have transcripts from the trial and um, like witness questioning and stuff like that. So you're getting like what happened, but you're also getting. Other, other pieces as well, and I am a sucker for these types of stories that kind of operate like jigsaw puzzles, where, yeah, you have all of these different pieces and you're trying to fit them together to see how the whole story plays out. Also, if you really like character-driven stories or stories where, like, every little action ultimately leads to the final consequence and so you can start to see people's choices and realize like oh if they had just done this one thing differently one of the best examples of this type of story that I can think of is Miracle Creek by Angie Kim who just does a phenomenal job with this type of storytelling Um, and so this kind of feels very much in that same vein and what this book also talks about because there are a wide variety of characters is the way racism plays in everyday life and the ways that different groups of people experience it, how they may exhibit racism against others. And it's just a really, really nuanced story. It has elements of horror for the people who are into that thing. I didn't feel like the the descriptions of the haunted house were so intense that people who, you know, are not keen on, the, on are, are not uh, horror fans. I didn't feel like it put the book so far out of reach. Other people would be like, yeah, no, I'm not reading this. It still felt accessible. Um, I think this would be a really good book club pick for anyone who's looking for something spooky or for fall season. And the reason why I picked this book for today's episode is one of the characters who ends up in the, the group of people in the haunted house is a young gay man in his early 20s from Taiwan. And he has come to America actually trying to reconnect with a teacher that he had in Taiwan, um, who he developed, I was going to say a crush, but an obsession. He developed an obsession with this guy. And so he came to America to try to Reconnect with him, and then ended up being through different circumstances being part of this group. But that um, the bits of the story are told through his perspective, and yeah, it it adds a lot, a lot to the story. There's just so many layers going on here. Have you read this one, or have had this one reach your radar? I know that there were there were some people. I think Liberty was talking about this book when it first came out.
2: I don't remember ever hearing about this book before, which is, you know, always a delightful occurrence to learn about a new book. But I do remember seeing the cover. So I feel like they must have done a good job on the design and marketing.
1: (laughs) There you go. But yeah, and this would be, I think, a good example of like social horror. Um, I think we're seeing more... Examples of that come out in different books and movies and stuff like that. So if you're interested in social horror, like horror that comments on... The social elements of everyday life. that talks about yeah, sociological stuff, racism, sexism, all of that, all of that stuff. Um, this, I think, this would be a really, really good one to pick up. Um, I really enjoyed it. It was, it was definitely a thinker. Um, and there were a couple of points where I actually went back and like reread a chapter just to try and be like, oh, okay, like just to make sure I just kind of like understanding what was going on. But again, that was *Reprieve* by James Han Matson.
2: And my second pick is *Summer Suns* by Lee Mandelo, and uh, Lee Mandelo is a genderqueer writer who uses he they pronouns. And I was reading was reading their bio, and uh, there's like this little parentheses after them describing their gender gender identity, and they say. And as for sexuality, let's just toss our hands up and say, predominantly gay, but open to whatever. And I just thought, (laughs) that's amazing. I love a bio with personality. Uh, But this is an Appalachian gothic horror novel called Summer Sons, like I said. And it is about two friends. And we start with Andrew and Eddie, who are friends, like inseparable friends, like super, like... Super close friends who might have things to work out. We'll see. I have not yet finished this book. Also, to clarify, I'm in the middle of it. But we begin with the circumstance where we have Eddie, who went ahead to grad school before Andrew, and Eddie kind of like settled in. And then Andrew was going to join Eddie at grad school. They were going to live together and like, you know, survive grad school as one does. But when Eddie dies by what appears to be suicide, Andrew finds himself now with a roommate he did not plan to have. He has received Eddie's like inheritance, which he's not exactly sure what's going on with that. And he's just very angry, understandably, but he's supposed to start this grad school program. He has to get to know this roommate because apparently, you know, Eddie had a lot of money. So he just bought the house outright. So now the house is his. There's a lot going on with Andrew's life. And uh, what's what's uh, worse is that it seems he can possibly see ghosts, you know?
1: Maybe, question mark.
2: <laughs> As one does. <laughs> On this podcast, at least. I really am enjoying this book. It takes a little bit to get into because you're just greeted full force like in the action of Andrew figuring out how to pick up his life after his best friend has seemingly died by suicide. And again, I don't want to give any spoilers, but one of the things I appreciate about this book is that it captures the Southern Appalachian Gothic type of horror story that is really part of a very long tradition of Appalachian literature, but I don't think a lot of people realize that it has its own unique brand of things. I was watching a review of this book over a year ago, And the reviewer said that it felt too much like the Raven Boys, but the Raven Boys is in like wealthy Virginia territory, right? Completely different Southern vibe than Appalachian Southern Gothic. So I was like, hmm, maybe I should check it out. And then I just forgot about it like one does. And so I'm so glad that this podcast episode inspired me to pick it up because I love ghosts, as we have figured out. (laughs) Have you read this book yet? No,
1: never had never heard of it. But I mean, I am, well, always looking for a new creepy book. But I have I've realized that some of my best reading luck recently has been with horror, which is sometimes I mean, I usually end up mentioning it on this show anyway. But I think I'm, I'm taking that as a sign I want to I want to try and get back to my roots a little bit.
2: I love that for you
1: really dive into the dive into the into the horror and just be you know obviously still reading mystery and suspense but you know when i when i need a good book to just keep me going i just want something dark and scary
2: <laughs> i love that i love that going back to my roots i yep. want something dark and demented
1: yep Sydney i could of them
2: all oh boy you know it's that's a hot topic t-shirt waiting to happen it
1: on yeah honestly and you know sometimes i wonder i'm like why do people still talk to me <laughs> <laughs> But no, this one sounds really interesting, and I am very glad that you that you brought this one to my attention.
2: And I want to give credit to the late Jenny of Reading Envy. Uh, Jenny was a online bookish friend of mine who also lived in the upstate of South Carolina. She passed away, I think, a year ago now. And this was one of the last reviews of hers that I read. And I really appreciate her work in Appalachian literature. Um, but she left this book of, you know, a five-star review. So, I was like, well, obviously, I need to pick it up. So, I will link that review in the show notes. Um, for anyone else who followed Jenny, she had her own podcast. I'll have what you're reading. <laughs> so, <laughs> I uh, anyway, I loved it. So, I'll link all of that in the show notes and people can check out Summer Suns by Lee Mandelo.
1: All right. Now, before I jump into my second pick, uh, let's go ahead and take a quick pause for our second sponsor. <laughs>
3: Today's episode is brought to you by Hachette Audio. Three years ago, sports agent Myron Balitar gave a eulogy at the funeral of his client, renowned basketball coach Greg Downing. So why, you may ask, is Greg now being placed at the scene of a double, not a singular, but a double homicide? I also wonder. So Greg Downing, who Myron gave a eulogy for is a suspect and myron needs some answers so myron and Wynn longtime friends and colleagues set out to find the truth but the more they discover about greg the more dangerous their world becomes secrets lies and a murderous conspiracy that stretches back into the past churn at the heart of harlan coben's blistering new novel think twice and the audiobook is narrated by his longtime narrator, Steve Weber. Now, if you don't know about Steve, Steve gives each character distinct voices and accents, making this a more immersive listen. Make sure to check out Think Twice by Harlan Coben. And thanks again to Hachette
0: Audio for sponsoring this episode. This episode is sponsored by LavenderCon and Little District Books. LavenderCon, which is just the best name for a book festival, is a new book festival in Washington DC. It's presented by Little District Books, which is Washington DC's all-queer bookstore, both of whom are dedicated to celebrating LGBTQIA authors and stories. The festival will feature over 80 authors, including Terry J. Benton Walker, the author of the Blood Debts duology, famed audiobook narrator Natalie Nottis with her debut romance novel called Gay the Prey Away, and Rashid Newson, author of My Government Means to Kill Me. And as I am looking at the website right now, breaking news, I saw a familiar face, and that is Book Riot senior contributor Susie Dumont. I'm so excited to see her name on this list, author of Queerly Beloved and Looking for a Sign. So you have so many great authors to discover at the festival. LavenderCon will feature 20-plus panels with topics for middle grade, young adult, and adult readers discussing romance, fantasy, horror, writing craft, and more. There will be a queer artist market, so you can go nab all of the great art and stickers and pins and handmade goods. The festival is happening June 29th and 30th in Washington, D.C., and you can either grab Saturday, Sunday, or two-day VIP tickets, which come with a few extra perks. Thank you once again to LavenderCon and Little District Books for sponsoring today's show. We hope you make your way over to the festival.
1: All right. So my second pick is Dirt Creek by Haley Scribner, which came out last year, about a, about a year ago, I think. And this book, it's a debut mystery. It's it's set in Australia and it's automatically, so automatically it gets comparisons to Jane Harper. But from reading this book, it's, I mean, it's not an exact match, but I can definitely see similarities here. I think it's more of a slow burn than some of Jane Harper's stories, but it looks really closely at the characters. And I think that's part of what turns the story into a slow burn suspense novel. And the, the setting is also, you get, even without her being explicit about the Australian setting, you feel it just even in the passages where she's not talking about it. And in that sense, I, fe- I feel like it's very evocative of Jane Harper's writing. But with this story... At the beginning of the book we have 12-year-old Esther who disappears on her way home from school. This she lives in a small town and so naturally her disappearance just really shakes the community. And so we have we have her family who's trying to cope with her disappearance and find out what happened friends of the family who who are friends friends with es- with Esther's mother um, they're also the parents of Esther's best friend Ronnie they are pulled into into the the tragedy and someone who lives uh who lives nearby a kid says that he saw esther leaving school with a strange man that he didn't that he didn't recognize and so it's like okay who was this what does this mean ronnie starts getting frustrated with the adults around her thinking they're not doing enough and so she tries to figure out what's happening uh or what happened to esther where is she who took her and of course, there are in this small town, everyone has connections, everyone has secrets. And it's just the story is just kind of looking at how this tragedy affects the whole community and it's kind of bringing these dark secrets up. So with this book, I have not finished it. Sadly, again, life has just has been very, very difficult in terms of trying to to squeeze out some some isolated reading time. But so I have not gotten to the end, but I'm really, really loving, yeah, just the attention that she pays that the author pays to the characters. There's also this in interspersed between the chapters that are told from different perspectives, like Esther's mother, um, her friend, the uh, detective who has been assigned to the case. And that character is why I am including it uh, in this roundup of LGBTQ reads, um, because the the detective is a gay woman. I, and since I haven't finished the book yet, I'm not sure to the extent in which that, which her identity plays out in the whole story. Um, it has been mentioned a few times at the beginning, so it is an established part of her character. Um, I just haven't figured out exactly to what, to what extent that, bec- that factors into the whole story. But interspersed with these different, with these, chapters, there's like a Greek chorus of the remaining children in town that kind of highlight the changes that are happening and the effect that um, Esther's disappearance has on everyone. And it's a really haunting writing strategy. Like it's, I feel like I can either, these, these types of like Greek choruses, I can either take it or leave it. This one because it's told from the perspective of the town's children. Like it's, it is, it's very eerie. It's very haunting. It's very sad, melancholy. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's done really, really well. And I'm really enjoying the way the story is playing out. There is a a trigger warning for sexual assault. Um, I have gotten far enough in the, in the book to, uh, to see that. It's a character retelling um, what happened to them when they were when they were um, a teenager? But yeah, it's been a really fascinating read, and I'm really excited to um, to finish it. And this was a book that kind of flew under the radar. Like I knew about the book, I had purchased it for the library, and it had come up on one or two roundups of recent LGBTQ suspense novels. But it hadn't been put on my radar until I just decided to pick this one up. Had had you heard of this one at all? Kendra? Or or is this another? Is this a new one for you?
2: Yes, I'd heard of this one because I believe it is a f- finalist for the Lambda this year, or Ooh. it was in the long list. So it was some way recognized by the Lambda this year. Oh, and so I was like, oh, I should check that out. Speaking of which, I'm cheering for my friend in the nonfiction category, to win anima uh, Avashya's another Appalachia. So I'm very invested in the Lambda this year, which is why I'm combing through everything. But um uh yeah, so it's really exciting to see, you know, career books honored in this way and I love to see a mystery.
1: Yeah. And the Goodreads description describes this as um the dry meets everything I never told you. And I'm like, okay, right there. That's it. Sold. Sold. Yep. I loved both of them.
2: Hand it to me, yep. it into my veins. <laughs> Yeah. So really,
1: really intriguing story. Yeah. And like I said, I am uh, really excited to see where the story goes. Um, And again, that is called Dirt Creek by Haley Scribner.
2: And those are our four picks for Pride Month. Always love a Pride Month theme. There's always so many great ones. And if you have some Pride recs that are mystery thrillers slash horror related, definitely let us know. Um, and our email will be in the show notes.
1: And of course, Pride reads are good all year round.
2: One hundred percent. There's so many. And if you need more recommendations, again, hit us up. We're here for you. This is our job, <laughs> literally our jobs outside of this podcast as well. So, yes, <laughs> years of experience. Well, we have new releases as well. It is the first Tuesday of the month, or the Tuesday after this podcast episode comes out. So there's so many. It was hard to choose, but then again.
1: I know. Oh, and it's summer too. So it's like yes. all the big books are dropping. Oh, I'm so mm-hmm. excited. Let's see. I was just talking. Why don't you go ahead and get <laughs> and give us your new release?
2: I feel like no one, absolutely no one on this planet, or maybe just the people who listen to this podcast, will be surprised when my most anticipated book of this two-week period is All the Sinners Bleed by S.A. Cosby. No one.
1: Kel surprise. I am just... (laughs) Bring me my fainting couch.
2: So Adam Lazar um, White, who is one of the most phenomenal audiobook um, narrators ever, also performs the audiobook again. Obsessed. So we come back to the Virginia, like Northern Virginia area, which is where S.A. Cosby's most of his books are set. And this is actually where my, my brother lives. So I know these places, which is also exciting. So we have Titus Crown, our protagonist. He's the first black sheriff in the history of Caring County. He's a former FBI agent and a security expert. So when he came home to take care of his family, he was like, sure, I will run for sheriff and try to make a difference, especially in in the black community in the area. Um, but of course, at, you know, I guess within the first year or right after the first anniversary, he is elected into office. There's a school shooting. And so that really is the, what's the point of conflict that they always say? What is that? I guess that's a major conflict, in the novel. I think that's right.
1: Zenith? I could be wrong. I
2: don't know. I'm imagining- It's, it's in the, late in the evening. I was like, I'm imagining one of those like plot like things. They have like little plot arcs. Anyway, apologies. Point is- It doesn't matter what this book is about. S.A. Cosby has a new book out, so we should all just be toddling off to our bookstores and grabbing a copy for ourselves or going to our library or going to our audiobook app of choice. I'm so excited.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I was not surprised at all (laughs) to see (laughs) his name show up in the show notes. And in fact, when I saw, when I was looking for my own pick, I saw that and I'm like, oh, Kendra's going to pick that one. (laughs)
2: you know at least i am consistent
1: hey you know i mean it's (laughs) it's it's not the same brand as mine but you know what like when when people can start picking up picking up on positive aspects of your personality such as your love your undying love for sa cosby you know you can be like all right i've done a good job establishing this
2: i i you know branding that's working in social media and and bookish media at least you know that's where it comes through, but you know it was funny because I was writing this whole large uh, piece about Southern literature as a whole, and I was like, "Essay Cosby needs to be part of this conversation," so he is. So <laughs> I just spent a long time like looking up his stuff and rereading excerpts, and anyway, it was delightful. So always recommend him. Yeah, okay. I'm, I've talked about this book enough. What is your <laughs> What's your pick?
1: So as I uh, hinted or just outright said earlier in the episode, uh, my pick is Megan Abbott's newest book, Beware the Woman." And yeah, this one just is it just sounds like it is so up my alley, and I'm really excited to read it. Um, so we have JC who is the main character. And J.C.'s mom always told her growing up that she that she just wanted her to have everything she ever wanted. And as an adult, J.C. feels like she finally does. She's newly married. She's pregnant. Um, she and her new husband, Jed, um, they go on their first road trip together to visit his father, Dr. Ash, in uh, the UP, Upper Peninsula of Michigan. And they are staying with his father in his cottage in the middle of the woods. It's just his father. But there's also uh, Mrs. Brandt, the house manager, who is a little less hospitable than Dr. Ash. Um, but you know, she's there, she's part. And then um, in the first of the first few days of their within the first few days of their trip, JC has a health scare. And now so all of their vacation plans are scrapped. And now everyone is keeping an eye on her. And with that, now she's starting to hear whispers about Jed's mother, who has been dead for a long time, and a complicated family history. And that seems to kind of be creeping in more and more. And JC starts to feel like she's trapped. She starts to feel like she's under surveillance, that everyone is just kind of watching her. And so she's struggling with you know, is this just paranoia? Is this literal cabin fever um, is it as the people around her seem to think um, a stubborn refusal to take necessary precautions or is it legit something something's happening here and I love a good story with a messed up family history I love 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 these stories they are the creepiest and yeah they are just they they just really hit that literary spot for me and combine that with a cabin in the middle of the woods also i'm interested to find out where in the up they are they are staying as my husband and i took a road trip through the up just a couple of years ago and stopped in a couple places so now i want to see if i recognize anything i don't know how deeply she goes into detail about that but i saw the up and i'm like ooh, i've been there but yeah, this just sounds like classic Megan Abbott. It sounds like a pure suspense novel. It sounds, oh, it it just sounds so fantastic. And I'm sure someone has already put a hold on it at the library, but I'm going to go ahead and get my name on that list. And again, that is Beware the Woman by Megan Abbott. And if I did not say this already, it is out today on May 30th. So by the time you're listening to this, you can run out and grab a copy of this for yourself.
2: Look at us, Midwest and the South represented. What, what? Being good regional citizens. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I, that's, that's our show. We did it. I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, all right. So that is our show. Thanks so much to everyone for listening. And of course, thanks so much to our wonderful sound editor, Jen Zink, who always makes us sound wonderful. For the show notes, you can head over to bookriot.com slash listen. For more book recommendations and bookish goodness, head over to bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out Book Riot's other podcasts, and you can search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice or check out bookriot.com slash listen. If you want to send us an email with feedback or show suggestions, you can reach us at dead at bookriot.com. Otherwise, you can find me, Kendra, on Twitter and Instagram at KD Winchester. And you can find Katie on Twitter at KT Library Lady. As always, the tongue twisters are in the show notes as well. And we will talk to you all next time.
1: <laughs> Bye.